Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to another High Resolution. I'm Seamus Byrne. The local wargaming office has been really generous with their time lately. We spoke to Thane Lyman back in July, and this week we go all the way to the top off the back of all of the 10th anniversary celebrations for World of Tanks. Today I'm talking to Victor Keesley, the founder and CEO himself, direct from his headquarters office in Cyprus. We explore the history of World of Tanks as well as the much longer history of wargaming itself and what it was like to finally make a game that defined a genre. Victor has some really interesting thoughts on what it means for a game to become a real hobby for its fans and how to respect your audience by never forgetting a few critical factors that maintain the trust with your audience. We also talk about having studios all around the world and what values that brings to a game company too. This is part of a pair of episodes with Victor's global perspectives this week. And then next week, we'll look closer to home when we chat to Steve Yang, the head of Wargaming Sydney, about how his local team has evolved and become such a critical part of the global Wargaming empire. Let's hop to it. My chat with Victor Keesley, founder and CEO of Wargaming.net. Celebrating a 10th anniversary, but having a company that's been around even sort of longer than that, it must be a really fascinating time. Um, so I thought I'd start with a really big picture question for you of just, you know, what do you feel like has you know, underpinned the success of Wargaming? I think uh, in addition to technological excellence, which we do have, uh, and attention to details when it comes to how we put together our software, graphics, uh, you know, like we, we make good games. The most important thing in this free-to-play genre is uh, attention to what your players need, want, what they like and what they don't. Well, usually like every product says, okay, we're listening to our players and we're doing what our players want to do. Well, when it's a physical good, that's not quite, uh, uh, that's not always true. For example, even with brand new German cars, there were years where you would uh, buy like an Audi or Mercedes and there's like iPhone 4 uh, plug. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, this is a little bit of uh, anecdotal. Uh, so they have to design it a uh, long time before they actually go to production. 
but by that time they are producing go to the dealership that's already iPhone 7 and this plug doesn't fit. So in our case, of course, we do not have that excuse, such an excuse because we are like digital. So our players expect from us to be perfect from every possible aspect. And if something's wrong, they, they expect this to be fixed like within five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. So in case of World of Tanks, as an example, World of Warships is the same. Of course, there is also historical accuracy, attention to historical details, but that's like a given. We're making a, a kind of game theme after World War II tanks. You have to, you have to be accurate. And the same players would not forgive you if you, if one of your tanks, which may be not the mainstream tank, but has some mm, things which they think or have photos or have materials, you know, which is different. Yeah. Listen to the player in general is literally there are two avenues for that first actually listening to them through forum community management talking to them meeting with them with player meeting uh, like when you go to trade shows like gamescom for example we always have this uh, german player party where hundreds like german players come and we, we mingle we drink beer we talk they ask questions we listen to some heavy metal rock bands also statistics when you have those millions of players playing at the same time obviously our databases have aggregated uh, information about how they behave our players and when you see some unusual spikes or dips in behavioral characteristics that's where you know that something is probably wrong and we, we, we try to obviously look at these statistical discrepancies too so in, in this case 24-7, we have specialists who are who are listening to the players, like, literally. And then when you figure out what they like, what they don't like, what they want more, uh, what new things they want, how what do they think about your upcoming feature, that, that, that's how you integrate this, incorporate in what you do, and that's how you make them happy. Uh, there are many aspects of that for example if you promise something like a roadmap hey this new mode coming etc 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 it will have this and this and this it means you have to do it you cannot lie to your players you cannot promise something and uh, then do not uh, fulfill or deliver if you are not ready okay you, you literally go stand, stand on your knees and apologize right if you make a mistake uh, you apologize right and don't you try to um, outsmart your players so in free-to-play games, there's monetization, right? You can keep playing World of Tanks, World of Warships on each of the platforms without paying anything. Okay, only Microsoft Live uh, subscription is needed for Xbox version of it, but that, that's Microsoft's policy. So, uh, and players, they, they like the idea that they don't have to pay, even those who pay. And those who don't pay even, even more like this idea. So... Even if you think about introducing uh, some uh, paywall or velvet rope, or some kind of payment option which you cannot avoid, you're dead. I mean, the, 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 because we are declaring this free-to-play or free-to-win since the very beginning, since uh, 11 years ago when, when the game was in beta. And if we break this, uh, literally, it's like a religious principle, if we break it or if they think we broke it, then we have serious problem. 
probably, you know, the most important thing we have now after 10 years of operation, of course, there's IP, there's technology, uh, there's like the usual things the games have, but what we have, some other big titles too, is the trust of our players. Trust of our players, uh, which is literally, where gaming will not fool us. Where gaming will follow the promise. Where gaming will not, will not try to uh, come up with a hidden kind of monetization option which will push us or make us pay and uh, will not try to camouflage uh, this. Uh, so all those things which I have described, they amount, so they contribute to this trust. It's very easy to break it and uh, it, it takes years and years to build it. Well, so far, I think we're reasonably good with that. Players do trust us. Many of them play the game actually for 10 years after the many, many, many people in the former Soviet Union, including myself, who keep playing the game for, for 10 years. Yeah. And look, it feeds into, you know, my next question was going to be about what's the heart of what the fans love about the game. And it feels like that trust is actually critical to that love, isn't it? Because it's like you could go and get your gaming fix in so many other places, but you know, like the, the core game is clearly something they love, but to to kind of maintain that ongoing investment and feel like they can really devote themselves to something, they need to have that faith in you guys that you're going to actually always deliver on, on that ongoing experience. Yes, I, I would not I would not use to get a fix uh, in relation to World of Tanks. And frankly speaking, game developers today are not, Stupid. So there's, it's not fair to compare games to drugs. <laughs> yeah. Listen, there's oh my god, fix. The only, the only fix, the only fix I need is civilization. You know, that, that's a very old strategy. Uh, empire building game called civilization. Sit by civilization. Okay, that's where withdrawal effect really, really strong. But in a good sense, you, <laughs> you, you like a game. Uh, a game like World of Tanks uh, is made. You know, it's a session based game. There's no like a storyline which you have to finish. You can play, the battles are like five, seven, ten minutes. So you can play two battles per day. You can stop playing for like a week or two and then come back. It's a hobby, you know, like World of Tanks is a hobby in the sense that it's something which you, a man, okay, male audience happens to be our uh, main audience. You know, you have your work, you have your family, you have your kids, you have your, well, you don't have too much time. There's many things you have to do like for family for kids for 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 spouse right but all the things does not bring bread on on your table all the things is a little bit of escapism a little bit of fishing a little bit of uh, watching football hunting every person has the right for a hobby and uh, all the things is that hobby Again, we, we, we are fine if you stop playing for months or two even, but as long as you come back with the new update or with back to school kind of freebies mm. or uh, presents, we're fine. So we don't want 24 uh, seven of your hours. And you know, 10 years looking back, all those things is running for 10 years. I think we can call it hobby now. We can call it hobby. It will be there forever. It's, again, it's not the game which you complete and then put it on the shelf and then complete for three stars. No, this is something where you go to escape if you would go for those special emotions 
again and again and again in in the in the calendar sense of time not not uh, not getting a fix what do players like mm, of course you know historical accuracy photorealism technology the game is very well done and technology is actually very contemporary and competitive with other shooters like uh, top shooters I, I was thinking actually about why am i coming back myself to world of tanks after 10 years from time to time my answer was that two answers to that to win you know take a tank you go to the battlefield you don't just run around and like see side like see things around you you've done it a couple of times before you come to win of course it's a pvp game when other guys want to win too so not always you win sometimes you have to lose but that's the part of the game and the second one is a short story geometrical story within one battle which lasts seven eight maximum 15 but usually it's like seven eight maybe 10 minutes the 30 tanks of different types running around uh, shooting each other you know jumping hiding pushing uh, falling off the cliff uh, statistically one out of three battles you have some kind of moments that uh, like you know uh, like for laughs like moments when something kind of funny or unusual happens something which doesn't happen every day in physical life but because yeah. this guy was lucky he jumped off the cliff and survived or because this guy was even more lucky he was shot at by a big enemy gun which would have killed him but then the the, the shell reflected or went under its hull <laughs> in between tracks like sometimes it happens uh, as well or yeah like even, even uh, a scratch or you ram a tank and this tank moved and fell on the cliff and fell on another tank <laughs> and destroyed especially if this tank is from his team and so uh, the, the, or you made a very very long shot and you actually hit the bull eye from a very long distance which is again unusual so you have that as well as hiding uh, chasing changing position guessing where the enemies are uh, then meeting like very small tank running into a very big tank. I'm simplifying a little bit, but you know when this ha- this happens like in football, this happens in rugby, uh, this happens in, in in real life when there's something to tell to your friends. Yeah, like, I, I see a guy in the airport and he's like blah blah blah. So in all the things, these things happen maybe not every second, but every three maybe four battles, three. You have this for laughs moment like this you know where, where people would send oh, this like memes uh, not, not memes this funny moments from life yeah okay not cats so, you know animals cats people bicycles swings uh, you know and you remember them plus of course it's not just about hitting uh, and running it's about snatching the victory from the jaws of defeat usually it adds very strong emotional uh, component to your to your story like staying alone or two of you against five tanks and actually surviving uh, and killing all five tanks one after another. Uh, this is amazing. Like, in real life and in the game too, and, and you feel it and, and, and you want to save replay and you want to send it to, to share it with your just friends, like not necessarily World of Tanks friends. You can show it to your wife and say, hey, see, I fell from the cliff and this guy was thinking and he was definitely not expecting me. So those stories... They happen quite often, uh, and, and, and they give you this, uh, they multiply your excitement. Yeah. 
plus, again, as a, as a normal game, it's fair, it's transparent, it's free to play. Uh, it gives you fair compete ground for the fair competition. So if you win, you deserve to win. Yeah, that's a great point too. Yeah. Um. So yeah, back when you were launching World of Tanks, how quickly could you tell? Yeah, that this was a real winner because again, you you sort of tried a few other games ahead of that. Um, you had that experience. Was there buzz ahead of the launch? Was there an explosion at launch, or was it a slow, steady kind of rise over the last ten years? Yeah, World of Tanks. Uh, World of Tanks is slowly growing for like for the last uh, nine, eight years. In the beginning, there was very explosive growth. How do you see it? Like, okay, when like uh, you have like one million registered players in a week. That gives you a good sign that people want to play your game. When you have people actually buying those premium accounts and those small, like come those things which you offer them to buy, but they don't have to because they they don't get more uh, they don't get stronger on the battlefield when they just buy it. Buy those things, you understand they probably like your game. I mean, if you like the game, you you like play a couple of battles, a couple of days. You feel comfortable, and you can see yourself spending a lot of time with World of Tanks, and you know, uh, leveling your your way up to tier ten, and maybe maybe a couple of tanks you want, and then joining uh, a clan, and then you feel comfortable. Okay, I'm for a long time with this game. Let's uh, make my life a little easier or my progress a little faster with premium account or boost or camouflages or you know some little tiny things we can. You, you can buy there again, not making your strong on the battlefield. And that's when you see, okay, not only they like it, they, they also are willing to pay, you know, five, ten dollars to, to to you, like I mean, for, for for the game. Some of them, those payments are literally just a gratitude. I don't want to use the word tip here, but like they appreciated what we did and they spent some money in the game. Just to to say thank you and appreciate uh, our work. Yeah. So World of Tanks, uh, we launched alpha and then closed beta and open beta in former Soviet Union, and then one month before the launch, we ran out of money, like literally. And that, that happens uh, when you're an indie developer and uh, have an ambitious project and no external investment. And but there is such thing as pre-orders. Okay, it's a tradition, like a special pack uh, with a discount or with maybe like special tank or special emblem. So those pre-orders actually, you could say they, they, they saved us in the sense they were so massive that not only we got, okay, processing of money takes some uh, some time, but uh, it showed us, oh my God, people actually are looking forward to this game. And yes, soon gave us some money to, to, to keep operating. And during the first day of the game operation, then the real payments, we, we had this one fear that, okay, okay, free to play, people don't get it, they will never pay for free, they will enjoy, but uh, payment, like uh, they will never pay for anything. Why? If the game allows you to play without paying. And then three orders demonstrated, like we collected, I don't remember the number, something like a million or two. But we were very, very surprised. <laughs> and then we still have some uh, negatively thinking, you know, people who would say, okay, that's all we have to, we, that's all we're going to get. So anybody who wanted to buy anything did this in the pre-orders cycle. 
they got some some gold, some premium accounts, and etc. But that's it. They, they're not going to spend any anymore. Well, the reality happens to be quite different. For their hobbies, people, working men, like, you know, adult men, they are okay to spend uh, $5, $10 for their hobby. So the first day obviously was even more impressive. The first day, like, I mean, food day, and the first week and the first month were very, very impressive in terms of new players coming in, word of mouth. Of course, we did some PR and marketing as well. We, we would see, like, crowds and crowds of people coming and joining uh, the game without any uh, trace of advertising. And that's where you understand, okay, you, you have something in your hands. So look, as it's grown, you know, you've grown from single studio, you've then acquired and opened studios in other locations around the world. Like what can you describe from your sense? You know, what's the advantage of, of distributing the way you run your game like that? In gaming industry, as well as in others, it's about talent. It's extremely very... There's no one studio which is open for for sunshine or tropical climate, right? So, like we have one in Sydney, uh, because we were licensing the technology, which was done by Big World, an Australian company. We licensed it, but then when the game became, you know, big, and we had to, like, you know, iterate it even faster, and we have to some kind of protect ourselves from possible well you know if, if something is, does not belong to you and which is essential to your pipeline you have to have somehow control over it you, you'd rather so we, we literally acquired this big old company with uh, like 100 plus uh, engineers who continued to work on world of tanks engine and yeah they are in sydney it's not a, it's an amazing city don't get me wrong it's just it's 24 hours flight yeah <laughs> If, if, if you're lucky, if you have like one hour per yeah. plane, it's like 23, 24 hours in, on the plane and in, in the airports. So, yes, you, you, you go where talent is. If there's opportunity to buy a company in Chicago, you do it. Then, of course, you have to engage them with, in, in our case, we, before that, we had spoken with Day One Studios and introduced them the concept of all the tanks and asked if they could do it for consoles. They actually did a prototype. It, it was a good prototype. So we joined our forces. That's how World of Tanks console happened. So the same, uh, the same, the similar, similar story was about World of Tanks Blitz. So there was a small team in Minsk, which was kind of doing some mobile games, but, you know, small cartoonish games. We were all friends uh, before. So we showed them World of Tanks and said um, they actually were players of World of Tanks. And, hey, can you do this for mobile? And it took them some time, and they did it for the mobile. Like, uh, the studio in St. Petersburg uh, made mobile warships, literally, from scratch. Of course, inspiration, the idea, the uh, free-to-play monetization, it was taken from all the tanks. But the rest of the game, all the warships, is, is done from scratch. And it's a good game as well. So that, that's how you expand. And publishing offices. Remember listening to the players. Uh, forums, uh, yeah, of course, you can read the forums, but you have to be on the ground in order to really listen to your players too. So that's why we have office, uh, uh, we have publishing people in America, in Europe, with all those uh, languages. Obviously, out of Minsk, we, we, we publish uh, in uh, Russian-speaking land. We have office in Tokyo, in Korea. Uh, we have, you have to have a partner, and we have a partner in China. So that's how we, we are 
17 offices, I think, right now around the world. Development, production, technology, and uh, publishing or operations. It's like, it's normal. We just did it really very fast. Um, have you noticed kind of you know, different styles or approaches around the world? Or is that kind of part of that idea of wanting to be able to have that, that local on the ground approach to be able to engage with the different uh, communities as well in those different ways? Our planet is quite varied. Like, you know, in, in my childhood, I was reading those books like, uh, you know, 15-Year-Old Captain, Treasure Island, Robinson Crusoe, you know, those adventure books where brave adventurers would sail across oceans and find new islands and uh, go through jungles. I think I, I was dreaming as a boy, like, okay, one day I will visit places on this planet. It looks like I visited a lot of places on, on the planet. And uh, I saw, obviously, different uh, climates, different weather, different landscapes. So my touristic travel is dwarfed, uh, you know, in front of, uh, by, by my business travel, including Australia. Uh, and I've seen people, I've seen places, I've seen cultures, and not just as a tourist, but Usually, usually our local, uh, like our office in Australia has Australians uh, as, as main kind of employees. The same for the Americans, the, the same for Tokyo. So you, you see different cultures as your employees. You know, my job kind of is to establish the unified war gaming culture, you know, support this culture so that everybody is one company, support one, val- uh, one set of values, etc. Although uh, it's, you know, the, the cultures of people by definition are very different. And sometimes okay, you have to be careful how you introduce and impose uh, one unified or single culture. But even more so, obviously, for the players. Players just live their normal life. Our employees, at the end of the day, they kind of it's nice to follow companies' uh, culture, right? Uh, it, it's your job, kind of. But with the players playing World of Tanks, it's not their job. It's their pleasure. I mean, they do it for uh, entertainment. So they can also express emotions very wide range from very, very positive to not very. And so, yes, cultures are different. We accept that. We, we kind of enjoy it. I'm, I'm happy to see our planet preserving its uniqueness in the sense of uniqueness of uh, different places. And yeah, we operate in this uh, in this area. We, we we have to deal with this every day. Mm. So, have you found any sort of challenges to that idea of sort of keeping everybody, I guess, pointing in the same direction and focused on that same mission a- across all those different teams around the world as they are? Yes, we, our mission is to make um, happy players to to make our players happy. It's kind of a given. It's kind of logical, although. We don't talk about money, for example, in the mission. So we don't say, hey, second quarter, we have to make this and that and that uh, dollars. But don't get me wrong. We're not charity. We are yeah. a commercial enterprise. So um, you have to have revenue and uh, preferably profitable. So, that, you know, you buy new servers, hire more programmers, develop more content, have some profit for the shareholders. You know, we have to do it. But in free-to-play, the beauty of it is if you keep your player community happy and echoes this ecosystem healthy, then money follows. If you don't uh, screw up like too much too often, 
uh, okay, if you're fast reacting to fix your mistakes, then your hobby, all the tanks, can long for a very long time, uh, last for a very long time. And then money comes a little bit statistically. So if, I, if, if, if I'm a fisherman or a hunter, I, I do spend money for my fishing equipment, for a ticket to, to, to the lake, etc., 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 without being this, you know, price, quality, elasticity, too much. So it's okay. It's okay to spend whatever, 1% of your salary to your hobby or a couple of percent of your salary towards your hobby, not necessarily, you know, bargaining or getting something like outrageous. So in our case, we're, we're good with, with what we have today. Hmm. So people have this as hobby. The biggest investment uh, they do is time. Their time when they play even for free, that's their biggest investment. Money follows. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Yeah. Um, are there any other aspects of, I guess, that whole idea of having this kind of distributed business structure around the world? I mean, one thing that often comes up is, you know, the discussions over how governments you know, help to kind of promote creative industries and help sort of companies like yourselves to, you know, establish um, or support distributed studios? Or is it ultimately about just finding the right talent wherever they may be? Yeah, it's nice to, it's nice to have... Um, yeah, th- there are places like, I don't know, Louisiana or Vancouver or uh, the Russian High Technology Park where, okay, they do have some incentives for video uh, games, uh, for movies production. It's nice to have. I mean, you keep an eye on this. Uh, like UK gives you a tax, uh, salary tax back to a certain extent, uh, if you work in this, um, uh, actually, gaming industry specifically. It's nice to have, but that should not obviously drive your global strategic like business decisions. It's all about people, particular people, who made a game or have that particular expertise, uh, like uh, um, Wargame in Australia, Wargame in Sydney, this big world uh, technology, which they had been running for 15, maybe even more years, before we met. So those those people are really essential. I mean, the, the, there's not many people around the world who know what they know, not because the other people are stupid, just because historically you worked with, you made this technology. So presumably you know, these people know this technology, know how to work with this. And so, yeah, yeah you, you, you have to follow your business logic first and then see if there's um, incentives or not. Of course, there are some, jurisdictions uh, or extremely high taxes with extremely unfavorable 
and this environment, but okay, you study them, you research, and you figure this out, and you say, yeah, okay, we don't go here. So what are you hoping for out of the next 10 years of World of Tanks? It's funny, I remember having you know, a similar conversation and you mentioned something earlier, um, but I remember talking to um, you know, the director of World of Warcraft when they were having their 10th anniversary and he almost said like the, a little like you said earlier that uh, if there's one thing about a 10-year milestone, it's that he felt absolutely certain that they would be there for a 20-year anniversary because it's like, well... You know, you've laid this kind of roadway and it clearly shows that you've got those fans in place. But, you know, what are you hoping, I guess not just for World of Tanks either, but the whole, you know, World of War games in general? It's a hobby. Yeah. So the key word here is hobby. If you collect stamps, you collect stamps for a long time. If you're a hunter or a fisherman, you do it for... If you if your father brought you to baseball games uh, and you collect baseball cards, most likely you're a baseball fan and your son will go to the stadium with you and you'll, you'll throw the ball, uh, throw and catch the ball in your backyard. So in this case, World of Tanks is hobby in the sense, this is my one hour per day or like, I don't know, five hours per week, and it's mine. I can be with my friends. I'm, I'm, I'm not required to win every battle. If I want, if I'm tired, I can be a little relaxed. If I want to win, if there's some competition, etc., okay. I have to concentrate and try to win, but that's my, my time. And this goes, uh, again, I, I don't like the, the word addictiveness in this case, because we're not, we're not uh, nicotine, we're not drugs. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I know my World of Tanks account, my tanks will always be there. Uh, you know, um, I play also Blitz, and, but I stopped playing World of Tanks Blitz for like a year, last time I was playing a year. And uh, two days ago, uh, World of Tanks Blitz, was released on Nintendo Switch. I'm not a console or a Switch player, like per se, right? My son, but my son completed Zelda, I don't know, 25 different times, uh, different ways. And sometimes we together play Mario with, with friends and we run four. And uh, I, I was given like a live play on, on, on Switch World of Tanks Blitz. So my, my PR team, my video team, okay, prepared a brand new Switch with so-called press account, and I, I said to them, like, why, why do I have to use press account? Which has, like, a lot of tanks uh, leveled up, opened. No, 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 can I use my own account? And they're like, do you remember password? Yes, I remember password from my World of Tanks account. Yes, I do remember password from my... And I, I entered my Wargaming credentials, and voila, on Switch, loaded my garage with my mouse, my E100. I'm like, wow. And yeah, for, for, for that uh, streaming, I, I was playing my old account, which was no less powerful and impressive than the press account, because I, I, I spent quite a lot of calendar time playing Blitz. I have dozens and dozens of cool tanks, lots of tier 10s, uh, like camouflages, uh, like my account is good. My account is good. Yeah. And once again, I realized that uh, you don't have to use blockchain for that. I don't understand. Let's use blockchain to 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 store gaming items. Uh, for for what? You just back up your server. That's it. <laughs> uh, so you don't have to do blockchain to back up your yeah your items in, in your in your lobby. Mm. Uh, I realized that World of Tanks, World of Warships, and games like this they do exist on this server. 
and okay, I my computer gets old. I lost my computer. It, it broke, and uh, I moved to another city. Uh, I moved to another platform. Uh, new platform comes out, but your progress. I mean, in, in general, there are of course some nuances, but ah, sorry, no, there is no nuances. Everything you've ever done in the world of things is stored, and you can fire it up, ignite it, you know, get it like me and switch. In the moment, like I would never, I would never imagine myself playing my account on switch, but just entering login and password brought me to my collection of uh, uh, World of Tanks based tanks. And uh, you know, I, I played a couple of battles, I, I'm still struggling with the, those controllers. Sorry, I'm not the best dual stick uh, player, although a couple I played five and I won two out of five, which is. Which means World of Tanks is World of Tanks. If, if you know it, you know it. Um, look, there's a really good point there that actually is worth exploring because when you think of a game as a hobby in this sort of way, I feel like there's also a sense where you don't want to change too much too quickly because you don't want someone to feel lost when they come back if they have a short break, but you want to make sure you're serving that regular community well. You know, How are you trying to strike that balance as you kind of tweak things and make sure you're keeping things stable, but also that you don't, you know, if you, if you try to move too fast, you probably end up trying too hard and then people kind of get upset. Um, these 10 years of all the things running, we released something like 100 updates. I don't remember the exact number, but give or take 100 updates. And each of those updates, you know, it's like a, it's like a small game to be made, packaged, Tested uh, for you know compatibility, etc., and then released with marketing support and deployment on the service, etc. That's a lot. So of course, we would love to, to to be in a world where you have your game and you don't have to update it at all. <laughs> yeah. Like everything works smoothly till the end of time, and we you know, don't waste resources and go do something else. Oh. Well, content, obviously content, you have to do uh, like new tanks, uh, uh, new new maps. Although after 10 years, there's limitation to how many more tanks we can make, <laughs> like historically, right? And how many more uh, maps players will keep in their mind and not get totally confused. So when it comes to graphics and physics, you have to constantly update. Like, you know, that's your normal expectation from a AAA game of this level, of this quality, that uh, when new NVIDIA card comes out or new uh, member, like, you know, you have to update technologically and we were doing this uh, uh, nonstop from time to time, making like fundamental shifts for mm-hmm. like new super shaders. Yeah, I'm not a technical guy, but like or new physics or new yeah like texturing techniques. We're doing it. But most importantly, it's, balance what our players really really like aside from technical robustness and like next gen like the current at least current generation of uh video uh cards uh, like capacity we have to use all of that or like multi-core all those things it's about balance of the tanks and the maps so the hundreds of tanks uh, in the game okay we started with a couple of dozens but every time you introduce a new tank, it has very high chance of being OP or uh, overpowered or too weak. So these days, players usually don't tolerate and don't forgive us if we release like officially anything which is not balanced. 
that's why we have to to use all those statistical analysis and we use special sandbox where players for a couple of weeks play this new tank or this new map or this new gameplay mode a couple of dozens of thousands players play not millions a couple of dozens of thousands which is statistically significant uh and we do not release it until this sandbox testing produces the best possible results <clears throat> plus here's statistics so you 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 see what your players do you see what tanks they play you see how how many when and with what result kind of again statistically aggregated in this particular case and then you see if one tank is outlying uh, you have to new tank or the new tank made this tank the old tank kind of not very effective so you have to spot those spikes and dips understand the reason for them and fix them sometimes it's just like yeah okay we gave this tank just a little bit of too much power in its shells or too much speed uh going up or too much throttle or too much like there may may or too much armor uh on the sides so and this fundamentally because the millions and millions and millions of players playing so if this tank is an outlier it will be very easy to spot on statistical uh, kind of graphs uh, and before you do that somehow i don't know how players figure this out so any new tank or any disbalance they find out very very quickly and then everybody if there is injustice if there's one tank which is op let's say a new tank then everybody next morning like a lot of people just played on this tank it means they know uh you still have to fix it right and 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 they whine like you broke the balance and this and that but keep playing this tank grinding like a xp and when you finally fix it they get very very upset because it was the 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 tank in which they dominated but they they voiced it themselves guys like this is overpowered right? <laughs> yeah when when they claim this they keep playing until we fix it so yeah this ecosystem balance uh, which keeps healthy amount of you know core users more casual users users who are coming every day uh, new ones old players clan leaders opinion makers you have you, you have to incorporate their wishes kind of in a way that everybody's happy and, and nobody's whining which is not uh, easy the yeah. verbal um, example is artillery so they're you know like long range ballistic uh, trajectory artillery so those who play artillery obviously like artillery so you can sit behind the bush uh, you have you rely on visibility you know uh, the enemy positions given by friendly tanks uh, in front you don't see it yourself and then it sends like a big shell usually high explosive uh, which if you hit can like for like one mile in our gaming uh, uh, scale it delivers a lot of damage if you hit even if you missed the you know particular machine just exploding next to you it gives you splash damage so what tank people tankers they hate artillery they just like take this out artillery is breaking the game ruining the game etc etc also the reality is no there is this rock paper scissors which uh, well, has to be there has to be well thought over and has to work in our case artillery is um, a very important class yes tank people hate artillery so if you hate artillery find your way go 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 spot it yeah <laughs> let your artillery you know destroy it uh, uh from your spotting or don't wait just go and kill it yourself kind of so uh this kind of balancing like if you make artillery too strong 
and then it can one shot a tank, which which is not fair. Kind of. uh, but when you look at this machine, which is like a very big uh, gun with big caliber, you don't expect it to do like scratch kind of damage, right? Yeah. So that's why you balance in between. So that's why we have this stun. It's like a support class, but no matter how much you nerf the damage dealt by one shell, good artillery players manage to kill with it, although they're supposed to stun uh, enemy tanks, you know, like, like stun uh, crew members, and then uh, tank is losing its effectiveness uh, within the next, whatever, 30 seconds. That's, that's what we yeah. do all the time. I just wanted to ask one last thing before we kind of wrap up, but on the the, the side of, I guess, making the game... Um, approachable for new players. How has that sort of evolved over the last ten years? Because I imagine you would be you'd test out different sort of onboarding experiences at different times over the years. It's all the same, and is on on the next level. It's not something you can do ten years ago and then capitalize and live uh, off your dividends uh, for the next ten years. So people are playing this game, uh, enjoying this game every day. New players, they want uh, onboarding experience. They want to have fun. They want to learn things quickly. Old players, they know stuff. They want to have their uh, hobby available to them 24-7. And again, fair, transparent. Of course, they want to win when they lose. Psychologically, you tend to relate this not, not to yourself, but to company which make this game. So that's why we're under total uh, control scrutiny, microscopes of all players, right? Who, who are the best guardians of the purity of, of, of the rules and uh, keeping the tradition going. Uh, you know, to, to your question, uh, how much you change? You change all those things which need to be changed. New content, yeah. You introduce, from that time, you make technological breakthroughs or make a totally new gameplay mode, which sometimes works, sometimes uh, it doesn't. Uh, you don't. You try not to break this very nuanced, elegant balance, which is there and which you were building for ten years. That, you know, that's all we do. So we, as a company, we don't make uh, I don't know cakes. We don't fly airplanes. We uh, we don't cut trees. We don't make uh, paper. We do exactly what I described to you. So making very few of those games like super triple A looking photorealistic, in many cases historically accurate, which is fully server side uh, proprietary kind of um, technology so that it cannot be hacked. Because, you know, if, if your game is hacked and people have like, I don't know, see through the wall or run fast and or uh, like aim assist or, you know, headshots, people don't like that. At least in World of Tanks, a lot of things are attributed to cheaters and bugs. Uh, sorry, to cheaters. But uh, frankly speaking, we don't have substantial cheats. Oh, yeah, there's this one which uh, gives you statistics of other players, but it does not make you strong on the battlefield. So there's no single cheat now uh, available, which makes you like really uh, in advantage, gives you advantage uh, on, on the battlefield. So you, you just keep doing, you just keep uh, serving this religion, I should say. Fairness, transparency, keeping promises, bringing some new stuff, not breaking the old stuff, listening to your players. That's, it. That, that's, that's the cycle which we go from year to year for 10 years now, I think. Yeah. 
And so what keeps you, you know, excited and hungry for the future of wargaming? Well, I'm glad to see World of Tanks uh, passing 10-year kind of life milestone. And I'm happy to say now, guaranteed, it's a hobby. It is a hobby. So uh, the development team and leadership team, we now will be, actually, it's time to look at it and say, hey, it's not going to die tomorrow morning. It's not going to go out of fashion like football, like hunting, like fishing will not go out of fashion anytime soon. There is something people appreciate in, in, in fishing. So there's something in World of Tanks. Okay, we have an, an idea or two. Making one or two new games like this, like obviously like, like any, any composer wants to write a song which is better than the previous one, like, or to, to, to make a movie which is better than your previous. Uh, that's why James Cameron, it takes him like, what, seven, 10, 12 years yeah. to make another movie. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, of course, we, we, we don't have, we don't want to, to wait for 12 years, but World of Tanks, World of Warships, evergreen till the end of time. As easy or as difficult as that. Being true hobby to those millions and dozens of millions and hundreds of millions of, of players all around the world. And yeah, make a new game. It always helps and tickles your self-esteem. Just for, for that matter, there are other good things too, such as, you know, growth of the company, like revenue, etc. But just like, I, I want to make it again. The feeling when, I mean, the first uh, in the beginning, you're, you're asking, how do you know that it's going to be a success? That's actually a moment, I'm not trying to be, you know, arrogant or the moment when your brain logically understands that, oh my God, this is big and it's going to be, it is big like today, just one day, one day passed and it, it's already big. The trajectories and projections look upwards and you're like, this cannot be. Okay, you, you, you don't do euphoric kind of hysteria in this case. It's time to just roll your sleeves and uh, uh, see what the, the first wave of players actually want, what they like, what they don't, and prepare the next, the first update. And then one more, and then one more, and then one more. And then 10 years later, number 100. So that's actually our, our life. So we, yeah. we make games like World of Tanks. Well, right now, oh yeah, obviously World of Tanks and World of Warships uh, and, and the console and mobile kind of cousins. I mean, they are franchises. But we want also to make something which is not necessarily that historically accurate and uh, serious, something more in lines of uh, uh, Western world entertainment with bells and whistles, but that's not about bells, bells and whistles. Like if you look at Avengers, it's a fairy tale from a comic book, kind of. The way it's made, the way, uh, the way the movies are made or comic books are made, okay, that's how Americans or, I don't know, British or Australians accept this kind of entertainment. Although for us, uh, to us, it may seem a little bit too comic-y, <laughs> even, even in the movie. Like a little bit, some, from time to time, bending time and space continuum, like, like that. I just, but it's fine. Americans like that. I mean, they, they, they uh, tap into entertainment, uh, maybe not to solve uh, like uh, unsolvable mathematical or physical equations. They're just there to relax, Okay, eat some popcorn if it's a movie, uh, and if it's a game, blow some stuff up. Not being very competitive, so we we are obviously taking into consideration all these uh, nuances of uh, cultural 
kind of framework of this other country. And I think with local with our people who work in this country, I think so far we are quite good for that. Yeah. So last question, really, uh, big picture again. It's like, what are you most proud of over the the history of the journey with board gaming? Okay, I will not talk about my family. Like, you know, I have a wife, so almost thirteen year old boy, and uh, eleven months daughter. I'm very proud about um, our family and uh, atmosphere, and being friends with in laws, uh, work wise. Two things: first, survival until one of one of things happens. It was. It had been 13 years before all the tanks, that kind of success. So you survive, 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 survive. You're going to do something, but it doesn't bring you millions as you would hope. Nobody plays your game or very few people called niche plays your game. Those historical games we're making or uh, hardcore turn-based. Uh, so the you don't have that runaway success here and tomorrow and next year and next year. What you do? You stand up from your knees and, and you know... Uh, uh, shake off the dust and go forward, make a new game. And then obviously uh, making World of Tanks, not, not alone, but having accumulated enough uh, talent and resources when the opportunity showed up and actually presenting to the world World of Tanks. It's a very well-known franchise uh, and uh, it's a big franchise now. So yes, I'm, I'm happy to be one of those in the early days who, who was starting making that particular game. It's it's a cool game with um, a couple of secret sauce elements and some of them were not decoded yet. Like, I mean, people, of course, playing the game, they understood and started, uh, you know, if, if you think about this, the, the session-based, like all the tanks style, garage, uh, like progression systems, etc. many people were, I'm being through to play, uh, many uh, other companies were inspired by World of Tanks structure um, yeah, it's actually also like a little bit of pleasure to understand that you made a category-defining thing. And when you see a copycat kind of attempt, you're like, yeah, okay. Uh, but uh, so far, there was no no successful copycats of all the things. Awesome. Look, thank you so much for your time, Victor. It's been really lovely to chat. Thank you very, very, very much. Thanks again to Victor Keesley and the Wargaming team for making this conversation possible. As I said at the start, next week I'll be doing a part two as I catch up with Steve Wang, the head of Wargaming Sydney Studio. It developed middleware for massively multiplayer games and had Wargaming as a customer, but was bought out to become part of the company. It's one of the rare big local studios and a very rare big Sydney studio. So we talk about the local scene and local industry concerns as well as how you work as part of a global team like this, especially in the midst of a pandemic. So come back and check that one out when it hits your podcast feed then. And if you're listening to this later, it might be sitting there waiting for you right now. So go take a look. I'm Seamus Byrne. This is High Resolution, part of the Byteside Podcast Network. 
Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.